We have a special edition of Dugout Station today. We welcome WFAN radio host Cam AM Keith McPherson. He's also appeared on MLB Network's Off Base and has a podcast talking net. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me. Glad we could make the time. Let's get into it. Let's not waste any time. Let's talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. Thank you, Keith. Listen, I just want to congratulate you on uh, your new son. Congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. New dad, new gig at the fan. Uh, we we have been following you since Pinstripe Strong, even before then, honestly. Yeah. And uh, we're so proud of you, Jersey boy. Jersey grew up in Jersey, and when when we're watching any sports, and we we see an athlete that's from our town, um, our city. We we just take pride in that, and we're just so prideful that that you're making it, man. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it, it's great um, being a dad now, having a son. It really brings some perspective to life and everything. It's a wild ride to see a human being enter the world, and then uh, it's also wild for me um, becoming a dad and just your brain shifting and uh, your day shifting and. Uh, your focus just being on, you know, providing for your son, taking care of a baby, but also still figuring out how to, you know, go back to work and grind and, uh, you know, put on a good radio show and uh, do good social media stuff and be in the arenas and stadiums. So uh, life has shifted, but I'm blessed. That's all I say is I'm blessed because I know where I was and uh, I'm living the dream now that I, you know, set out to go get. But, you know, it, my life could have been a lot different. Um, things didn't have to go this way. So. I just say I'm blessed, and I thank you guys for the support. Amen, amen. Um, with that, we wanted to ask you, first and foremost, how did you start this journey? Um, in, to, how did you take this career path and make it to, um, you know, becoming a, a uh, podcaster and now landing a job at The Fan? I know you've been there for about a year or so. Two years, yeah, coming up on two years. Wow. And what, what I'll say is there's a lot of starts and stops. There's a lot of um, different checkpoints. Uh, I, I really say the starting point, and I was talking about this last night on The Fan, was when I was 16, I was varsity quarterback at Ocean High School, and uh, they needed somebody to call the Pop Warner football games. I also played Pop Warner football in Ocean, and they offered me the gig to call the Pop Warner football games on Sundays, three games. I don't know how many hours, but it would start early in the morning and then late in the afternoon. And that was my first time really getting on a microphone. That was my first time doing any type of public speaking, announcing uh, that counted for some. I think they paid me 50 bucks for the Sunday. And I remember someone's dad. I wish I knew who the guy was now coming up to the booth and saying, hey, you got a good voice. You sound good. I know you're young, but you should major in communication when you go to college. And I had just started getting some letters from colleges because I played football as one of the better quarterbacks in my area. And I started putting things together in my mind to say, okay, well, if I don't go to the NFL, which I think at 16, I thought I could go to the NFL. I was uh, definitely dreaming. Um, <laughs> but at 16 is when it started because I had got on the microphone. I had got over that fear of like speaking in front of people. Uh, someone gave me the confidence to say, hey, you're doing pretty good. And they planted the seed of going to school for communication, which I didn't understand at the time, that meant radio, television, media. And then when I did go to school, uh, I went and undeclared. But when I transferred to Monmouth University, uh, after getting a taste of what real football was like at JMU and seeing guys that are going to the NFL and realizing, I'm not going to make it to the NFL. I'm not big enough, fast enough, strong enough. 
I need to lock in on my career. I transferred home to Monmouth University. Monmouth is where I'm from, Monmouth County, uh, Monmouth Medical Center. I was born in. Um, I came home to Monmouth University. I declared as a communication radio and television major. I got on WMCX 88.9 FM through the radio club at Monmouth. And then I also got on Hawk TV. So that was the real start. I would say that mm-hmm. was that was like 20, uh, 2008, 2009. And I graduated out of there 2011. Wow, you you pay you earned your way. I mean, it's it's so awesome to see, honestly. Um, what's been one of the coolest parts of of working the night shift, Cam to to AM? Listen, so I'm I'm in the West Coast, so it's about a two hour. So I know that you work till two a.m. Yeah, my time it's midnight. I fall asleep. You, I fall asleep listening to your show. I love that. See, (laughs) that's what I was going to say. The coolest part about it is I go into the studio at WFAN uh, late sometimes, like 9, 30, 10, and there's three people in there, myself, the producer, and the update guy. And I go in with notes and thoughts and raps and ideas and stories and things to put out there on air. And the coolest thing is you don't know who's listening. You don't know who you're reaching. But you become a part of people's lives. People have recognized my voice out in public. Uh, people have told me crazy things about like what I mean to them, how I get them through their work shift, or how they like you just said I fall asleep listening to your show <laughs> at night, and I'm like that is nuts. You don't have any idea who's listening and who's actually like living with you through you taking in your show. So that's the craziest 100%. thing. Hundred percent. I wake up at night and, like that. and Chris. Mc, what's his name? Chris, Chris Mc- McMonagall. Yeah. I wake up and then Chris is on. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yes. Yeah. We definitely enjoy some late night and the fans. Those 1 a.m. call, it's a different when you're closing down the show. Yeah. <laughs> well, Julian, you've called him many times. <laughs> yeah, we've had some good discussions and thankful for the air time of God. And um, with that, I want to go to the other side of things. I know you've had some cool, cool calls. So, like, what's the craziest call you've had? Like, how do you deal with, like, these crazy New York fans that want everyone's back? <laughs> Man, some people don't know what they're talking about at all. Some people are calling just to troll. Even last night, I had a guy that just went on a bunch of tangents. He was comparing Zach Wilson to himself. And he's saying Zach Wilson is almost there. Like when, when I was almost there in my softball league and we lost by a home run. And I'm just like, that's completely different. Um, I had a guy call me the other night that's, that he started to call off. He said, he said, hey, Keith, sorry to call you at work, but I left my wallet on your nightstand. Can you check for me? And I'm like, come on, bro. Oh like, what kind of call is that? And I'm like, do better. If you're going to troll, do better. You know, I, I had a caller uh, call in. And uh, it was a Celtics fan. And we're talking about how the Knicks blew opening night. And they were like, yeah, you know, I was in the garden tonight. And let's go Celtics. And I'm like, you should have built it more. You should have said I was in section 213. And, you know, when the uh, when Porzingis hit that shot, I screamed, let's go Celtics. So, you know, it's I call it loopy on the late night because uh, the calls get loopy. But for the most <laughs> part, like, I don't have people disrespect me, which I think is cool. Like, you know, haters only live online. I don't have anybody call and be like, your show sucks or you, you don't know anything about sports. For the most part, people are very respectful and I get a lot of love on air. So, like, what's the biggest challenge you had maybe adjusting like to doing the five hour slot? Like, was it difficult in the beginning to like have to speak for that long? 
No, I, I mean, I, I, I'm blessed. I have the gift of gab, and I am a wild sports fan. Ever since I was young, my, my grandmother talks about how in the summer I would come and stay with her, and nobody cared about the game I watched or Sports Center or what I saw, but I would sit down at the dinner table or in the car and talk for 10 minutes about something that nobody cared about sports-related that I thought was super cool and wanted to share with everyone. It's just something I've always been able to do. The five hours in the beginning, I remember – Steve Summers called it the marathon. And now I'm like, nah, it ain't no marathon. It's a sprint. I run right through it. I, I, I know when we're going to break. I, I come in with a, a lot of content. The hardest thing for me right now, and even in the beginning, is sleeping. Because, you know, if you get out of work at 2 o'clock and you got to yeah. drive home and, you know, they close the Holland Tunnel. I live in Jersey City. If, if the Holland Tunnel was open, I could zip home in 15 minutes. Uh, the Holland Tunnel is not open, so I usually get home in like 35, 40 minutes driving through the Lincoln Tunnel. And, you know, after you host a five-hour show on WFAN New York Radio, you're wired. It's exciting. It's, you know, you talk to all these different people. There's breaking news. There's live games on. You do a really good show, and you're in your own thoughts. So there's there's some nights where I hadn't been able to go to sleep until 4 a.m., and now having the baby, my baby wakes up at all times through the night and then starts his day around 536. So, the, you know, the five hour show, it's a breeze for me. The hard part is actually being able to go home and get a good, good night's sleep. Like it's just, it's a That's challenge, nice. but I, I take it on. Like it, it is what it is because I understand there's not that many seats and not too many people get the chance to be on air. I'm one of the youngest hosts. I'm, I'm the youngest host at WFAN. I'm one of the youngest hosts on radio in New York, period. Word so, up. Like, I, just, I, just <laughs> I just understand that like, hey, uh, these old guys couldn't do what you're doing while you're able to physically still do it, do it. And I'm running through it. Awesome. You know, they sell some over-the-counter sleeping gummies. Um, <laughs> no, uh, for real. Seriously. I have everything. <laughs> I, have, I have strong melatonin. Um, I, I, I've definitely hit those CBD, T, uh, THC gummies. Yeah. It's not like that though. It's like, like, imagine, imagine you went to school for radio and television and you actually lived the dream. And then like, you have a really good show where you bring in guests and you have calls and you feel like you rocked it. You're in your own thoughts. Like I go home some nights and I'm able to go to sleep right away. I come in, brush my teeth, wash my face. So I force myself to get into bed. Some nights I was taking melatonin in the studio, like, but that's re that's reckless driving home. Um, <laughs> but like, no, sometimes I'm just in my thoughts like, yo, I made it and I want to keep making it. How mm -hmm. do I get better? And in the beginning, I was very critical of myself. If I said something wrong, I would eat myself up about it. Or if I, you know, had a, a pause or dead air or, or, you know, somebody asked a question where I just yeah. said I didn't know, I would just like in my mind be like, you suck, yeah. you're not good enough, do better. But no, now it's just a matter of a. Uh, more so my baby and coming home and going right to bed and not like, how do you not turn on Sports Center? How do you not turn on Quick Pitch? How do you not turn on, you know, Yes Network, SNY, watch uh, Honda Sports Night after all of that? That's what I yeah. do. But sometimes it turns into a late night and that bleeds into the next day. So I got to stop doing that. I I've gotten better two years do in you, now. Do you still do that? Are you still like very critical of like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've gotten, so I'm, I'm, I'm my biggest critic. I've gotten better at just like not having hot takes, ridiculous takes on air that you can be wrong and then you got to okay. eat your words. I feel like at WFAN right now, we have a lot of hosts that are just saying anything. And then when the games are played and they are wrong, <laughs> they, 
they just roll on to the next topic and it's like hey i remember you just said zach wilson was a stallion and he's gonna be a superstar i remember you just said Kayvon thibodeau sucks and he had a beast of a game like so what i try to do is stay true to myself uh i don't talk about things that i don't know like i'm new i'm new to hockey and i and i don't try to pretend like i'm a lifelong hockey fan i let people know hey i'm still learning the game you can learn with me and yeah. uh I don't beat myself up over like mistakes that I used to make. Like I think one night I said that the Brooklyn Nets had been in Brooklyn since um, 2011, and, oh, and that was wrong. It was just wrong oh. by a couple years. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, that, you're an idiot. I'm like, you're you're a fan. You know, you were there. <laughs> you were there the first. You were probably year. in Izod Center, weren't you? Yes. And were I you was there, there with Kid? Like, I, were you following with Jason Kid was in course. the net? Okay. I, I wasn't necessarily at those games because nobody was there to take me, but I did go to Continental Airlines Arena and I was following the team. And yeah, like on air one night, I said the wrong year. And I'm, I always <laughs> think about somebody's listening and they're like, wrong. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And it, I just misspeak. A lot of times I do this too. I say the wrong names. Like, all right, I'm, 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 uh, I'm watching the World Series and I'm like, oh yeah, Trevor Simeon's a beast. I mean, Marcus Simeon. Trevor Simeon is the third string quarterback of the Jets, not Marcus Simeon. Like, I know that. Or, or uh, Deron Payne versus Cam Payne. Deron Payne is a D tackle for the Washington Commanders. Cam Payne is a basketball player, but I just get the names crossed or say the wrong name. So, you know, little so, things like that I, I used to beat myself up about. Do you go back and listen to your tape or no? Not, like a, not anymore. Hang them okay. and bang them. In the beginning, I did because my producer, every hour that my show runs, they are taking that audio and they're podcasting it. So mm -hmm. I used to come home and I, in the beginning I would listen because I was self-conscious and I was unsure of myself. And I'm like, how can I get better? And I thought that was a way to improve. Nah, hang them and bang them now. Don't even worry about it because it'll literally eat you up. Yes. You will think about it forever. And, and you might be the only one actually thinking about that. Other people enjoy my show. But in the beginning, I'm like, I can't believe I said this or I can't believe I stumbled across my words here. I was bedeep, 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 sound like an idiot on air, but you got to just get over it. You got to just roll with the punches and move forward. Speaking of eating you up, you know how social media is with Twitter. It's, I mean, Toxic. It's, it's war out there. How have you handled the critics? Um, because like you said, it's never someone that you're going to meet in person coming at you. It's always in social media. How do you handle that? Yeah, I had to learn that. I, uh, in the beginning, when I came into WFA and I got so much hate, just being an unknown, being a young guy, a black man, being someone that was on the outside of the radio station, didn't like intern and make his way up and replacing Steve Summers, quote unquote. So, yeah. you know, I was actually on my honeymoon when the news broke and I mean, I cried tears of joy when the when the news broke. But then I started scrolling through the responses and the reactions and I'm like, wow, I haven't even said a word yet on air and people are tearing me down. It comes with the territory. Every WFAN host gets hated on. Everyone in the media gets hated on. You're never going to get unanimous love. So you got to learn that it comes with the territory. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. And then also, <laughs> the, the haters that are online, they're not like that in person. I've never, ever, ever, ever had someone come up to me and say, you suck. Your show sucks. You don't know anything about baseball. You don't know anything about football. When people see me, they want to take selfies. When people see me, they want to shake my hand and tell me about one night they were listening to my show and I told a story about this. So once you like put that hard line between the internet and real life, 
you'll, you'll, you'll stop caring about it. And I stopped going back and forth with people too, because I've been doing this a while now and I realize like I'm, I'm elevated. So I got to rise above. There's, there's no use arguing with fools. There's no use going low when someone goes low. You just got to block people, mute people and ignore it. So, so what was it like working with John and Susan on the pregame? That must have been really cool. Yeah, uh, you know, like you guys, I'm a Yankee fan. And when I first met John and Susan, I was starstruck. And I'm not starstruck by a lot of people, but, like, they're our Yankee grandparents. We've been listening to them for years, and they call the games in such an iconic way. So two years ago, I got to go to spring training and sit between John and Susan and actually get on the broadcast at George M. Steinbrenner Field. I'm looking out at the field, and I'm like, this is nuts. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is crazy for me. And John Sterling goes, well, it's not that much of a thrill. <laughs> oh my God. He just immediately like, like, like broke the ice, calmed me down. And then cool. Susan starts talking about like how I got there, whatever. And they really liked me. So from, from that point on, they're like, how do we make him a part of our pregame show? And we started workshopping ideas. And I'm like, okay, if I'm supposed to be the cool young Yankee fan, I should be hitting John and Susan with things that come from cool young Yankee fans on Yankees Twitter or something that I found, a stat or someone's birthday or something I saw on one of the players' social media. I'm like, they're going to have all the, you know, today in Yankee history, you know, who's hot, who's not, the manager report. But they're not going to have the little nuanced things like uh, DJ Jung is now DJing at Yankee Stadium every other Friday night. He's the Brooklyn Nets DJ him and I are friends. We live in Jersey City together, and I love that the Yankees brought him in. So my whole idea was, tell me something cool. And they figured out the rest where, you know, John comes in, and he's like, uh, fanalist, Keith McPherson is going to tell us something cool. Hey, Keith, tell me something cool. And I come in, hey, John and Susan, uh, you know, this, 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 and this happened, blah, 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 blah. And I got, I got a little one-minute segment on their show. I've been able to do uh, some rain delay theater with them and Sweeney Murdy. Uh, I have a press credential that literally allows me to come into the stadium and go up to the booth and see them, which has just been a blessing. It's it's a wild uh, reality as a fan to get to work with them. They're iconic. They're <laughs> legends. They're goats, and uh, they're they're the best people. I love them. Out of out of everybody, they're they're so nice and kind. And I mean, I wish they could rock forever, but we know they're they're both getting up there in age. They're so great together too. It, it's amazing rapport just reps time and kind of knowing each other and i think this year was the most we saw them apart i think this year yeah when when we had justin shackle and emmanuel babari that was the first time since 1989 that either john or susan wasn't on the call because sometimes susan has taken off and we know john has had to take off a bunch of time but that was the first time that one of them wasn't in the chair Crazy. Is there a favorite interview? Um, not a favorite, but like one of the best interviews you have done or maybe like a, a player or something like that that you can think of? On air or, or, or just in general? On, on or off? I know I, you I, I know them off the top to of Seattle. my head. Yeah. yeah. So the Players Alliance reached out yes. to bring me to the All-Star game. And I had been on air talking about how Ah, uh, you know, I have a baby. My son is like four months old. 
We're not going to put him on the plane and fly six hours to Seattle. But I've been to the last three All-Star games. You know, I've been to L.A. I've been to uh, to, to Denver. Like, I love going to the All-Star game. I, you know, I'm having some FOMO, but I'm not going to make it this year. The Players Alliance brings me out specifically to cover their events and interview guys like CeCe Sabathia, Curtis Granderson, um, mm. Edwin Jackson, Adam Jones, and uh, those guys were awesome. CC was a great interview. I also got to meet Dave Sims, who used to work for New York Sports Radio and then went out to Seattle. He calls their games. That set of interviews was great because it was audio, it was video, and I was set up in my own area, and mm. I'll remember that forever. And I hope to continue to be a part of the Players Alliance and their efforts at All-Star Games. But on air at WFAN, my favorite interviews at WFAN are interviews that would not have happened without me that like these two guys would not have called into WFAN without me. So the first one is Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett played at my high school. We grew up in the same town. I actually coached him um, when he was 11 and I was 21 at big red football camp. I was still in college. I came back to help out the camp. He was a 11 year old sixth grader, but he was a prodigy. Then he was a smart quarterback mm -hmm. then. So Kenny, when it was leading up to the draft after the combine, I reached out to Kenny he, he came on. We reminisced about uh, playing football in college and high school, and we even sang our fight song on air. That was iconic. People, <laughs> people still talk about that from my town. And then um, the kid Miro, like Jesus and Miro. Uh, the kid Miro I worked at MTV with back in 2015, 16, before those guys really blew up. And the kid Miro is a diehard Yankee fan from the Bronx, Dominican. Uh, he loves the Giants. He loves the Knicks. And we're friends. Like I can text Joel. I can hit him up. And, I, you know, I was hanging out with him on the 26th floor of the Viacom building, uh, 1515 Broadway back in 2015 before we knew what we would be. So having him come on air and even speak on the breakup of Jesus and Miro was huge. It got picked up by hip hop blogs. WFAN doesn't get picked up by hip hop blogs. So those would probably be my favorite oh, interviews that I did. Yeah, that's awesome. So we could ship to the Yankees now. It was a really disappointing <laughs> And there's a lot of stuff to nitpick and undress. But what, was, what do you think was the most surprising part of how they failed this year? The most surprising part of how the Yankees failed this year uh, was, was their, own, their own negligence, their own ignorance, their own willingness to change the lineup every day, their own willingness to pitch certain guys over and over again, their own willingness to literally not make a move at the trade deadline and keep going on with some of the same guys that you knew were no good. This is the New York Yankees. The Yankees are supposed to have superstar players at every position, and I know that's being spoiled. I know that's not realistic, but for the Yankees, it's supposed to be. They have the number one team and the number one market, all the fans, all the money, and they cut corners. So for me, it was like, wow, I felt like they didn't do enough in the offseason. We went to the season with Josh Donaldson and Aaron Hicks, and uh, they're, they're asking Volpe to be a superstar as a 21 turning 22-year-old rookie. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're resting, guys. The scheduled rest, I, I, I can't stand because when you look at teams like the Braves or even the Rangers who are about to win it all, those guys play every day. Their main players are in the same spot in the lineup. And in the field every yes. day. So why do the Yankees think that they can move guys around, play guys out of position, rest guys when they get hot, change their spot in the lineup, and be successful? 
it's their own ignorance and their own negligence that led to their demise this year. And I hope they get right. I hope they change. So I'll try to flip to some positive stuff. So Garrett Cole's Cy Young season is obviously the best part of the year. But besides that, what's something you think that could give us hope for the future from what you saw this year? Jason Dominguez. I know it was short. I know it was brief. And I'm kind of mad at them for not pushing the Martian button sooner. But, man, that guy homers off of Justin Verlander the first swing of his career. I was there for his fourth home run of his career in Yankee Stadium. He played defense and center field just fine. He belongs. That's a young guy that we can look forward to. I hope he comes back from mm -hmm. his surgery and his injury just fine. And I hope he's ahead of schedule. I hope it doesn't take till the All-Star break. I hope he can come back sooner rather than later. But, man, yeah. this is a team that could not hit. And now you have a switch-hitting power bat in that lineup that can play center field for potentially the next 15 years. That's something to be excited about. That's something to look forward to. And we've been talking about Jason Dominguez for, you know, since he was 17. Seriously. Also, just like when he came in, like when he came into the team, um, you saw how the other younger prospects started hitting. Yep. It was, it's like something about, you know, Austin Wells, there. Oswald Peraza. It was like, okay, our guy's doing it. We've played like he only played like nine AAA games. And there's something about that, right? When you see a guy come up to the main stage and he belongs, it didn't look too big for him. He looked, he, he didn't look nervous. He didn't look over, look overmatched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he said, you know, it's just baseball. It's like, it's a bigger stadium, more fans, but it's the same game. And yeah, these young guys like Austin Wells, Peraza, Pereira, Volpe, Cabrera, and Dominguez, they, they have to raise their game and they have to contribute right away uh, these next years because they're the Baby Bombers 2.0. And so much has been put on them. So much has been invested in them. The prospect hugging, not trading some of these guys, they got to be effective right away. Um, that's a good segue into the next question. If you were Cashman, how would you fix the Yankees? If I were if I were Cashman, how would I fix the Yankees? I'd step down. <laughs> I'd be like, listen, I get it. Like, like we seen like overnight last night, the the Raiders fired their GM and their head coach. They're three and five, not good enough. You guys got to go. And Cashman has made so many mistakes. There's a comedy of errors. That's the phrase I keep using, because we're watching Jordan Montgomery pitch in the World Series. And he traded that guy away, saying that he wasn't going to make a postseason start for the Yankees. Uh, he, he traded for Joey Gallo, uh, Benintendi. There's just so many mistakes that he made. Um, Bader, he had to put on waivers. Josh Donaldson, nobody asked for Josh Donaldson to be over here. Um, you know, Aaron Hicks, you gave him a contract. Severino, you gave him a contract. These are mistakes. You fumbled the bag with Judge. Honestly, you cost yourself a lot of money with Aaron Judge. I think if you offer Judge $300 million on opening day 2022, he can't turn down $300 million. But instead, you challenge him, and he goes out and hits 62. And it, and I always say it's the same way he treated Bernie, the same way he treated, treated Jeter, our beloved Yankees. He just treated it like it was business, like these guys weren't uh, players that the fans absolutely adored. I, if I were Cashman, how would I improve the Yankees? I'd say, <laughs> that's it. That's my time. You know, it's 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 been a good run, but – uh, you know, the game has passed me by. Somebody else needs to come in here and make these moves because I don't have it anymore. I don't have it anymore. 
That's a good answer. You think it's possible that other GMs don't even want to make trades with oh, him? Oh, yeah. It's obvious. It's yeah. obvious. It's so obvious. The trade deadline passes and you do nothing. You bring in uh, Keenan Middleton. To yeah. me, I think that there are other GMs in baseball that like the Cashman tricks and the Cashman respect, like it's not there anymore. They're not falling for his tricks. They don't yeah. have the same respect for him. Um, they're looking at him like, you need us. Your team's struggling. You're, <laughs> you're seven games out. Like, you need us. We're not falling for your tricks anymore. We don't have the same respect for you. You haven't touched the World Series in what's going on 15 years. There are other GMs out here doing it better. So I think the game is passing by, and I think that there are other GMs in baseball that don't respect him as much and aren't so willing to deal with him, and especially like this deadline. He loves to wait till the end. Two years yeah. ago, we saw he does the buzzer beaters right at the end because that applies pressure. That, that clock, that deadline – applies pressure where some teams will make mistakes and i think cashman tries to do that other teams go out and make the moves early the rangers they needed a reliever they they were the first ones to go get a role this chapman now chapman hasn't been great but he's helped them and they're in the world series chapman's another guy from the yankees that's about to go get a ring never seen him throw so fast in my life they figured it out with him <laughs> yeah they figured it out with him they got him out of kansas city and um, I mean, I know it wasn't going to work here, but man, there's you know there's so many starting pitchers, Nate Valdi. Um, there's so many guys that ended up Andrew Heaney uh, that come here and didn't work here, and then it works elsewhere. And I think there's so many guys that Cashman passed on, like Corey Seager and uh, Bryce Harper. That's all we keep hearing. Where I'm like, okay, clearly something is wrong. Something <laughs> isn't connecting. Some this isn't working anymore. Yeah. So, what do you think will actually happen with this team in the offseason? Like, what are, you, what are your expectations? Not Juan Soto. Um, you know, when, when Andy Martino and John Heyman are using the Yankees for clicks and they have dueling reports, one saying the Yankees are all over the Padres, they've been talking, the other one saying they're not speaking, they haven't spoken at all. To me, it's just, you know, smoke and mirrors, and it's Yankees for clicks. So, the Juan Soto idea would be great, right? That's a generational talent that could become available for you. But I don't think the Yankees are going to trade and give up what the Padres are going to want from the Yankees. They're going to want top prospects. They're going to probably want one of Peraza and Volpe as well. And I don't think they're going to going to do that. Tim, um, you don't you don't see Soto coming to the Yankees. I don't see the Yankees doing what it'll take because they're the Yankees and they're stubborn. And they'll just say, oh, we can find another guy. Maybe they sign Cody Bellinger. But that's a false move, too, because you could have signed Cody Bellinger last year for less. Now you're going <laughs> to sign Cody Bellinger for more money, and then he probably reverts back into um, the player he was at the end of his Dodgers tenure. They need a left fielder. They haven't solved that issue in years. Uh, it's the curse of Brett Gardner. You didn't send Gardy off the proper way, and you haven't had a guy to, pl to play left field since. Gardy might not have been the greatest at the plate, but he is a left-handed bat. He did have some Gardy parties, hit some home runs, and he would have shored up left field for you instead of having 20 different guys run out there. This offseason, the Yankees have to focus on hitting. They have the pitching. You know, I think they have enough guys to pitch. But the batting average being an all-time low for the New York Yankees, uh, them not being able to score more than three runs without Aaron Judge, they are wasting Judge's prime. They're wasting Cole's prime. They need to add some other studs into that lineup that can hit the ball consistently. And I don't know how they go about doing that. I, I'm not that confident in this offseason. It is. It's pathetic. How much do you think Boone is to blame for for the management and not not a ton, but he I mean he has to take some blame. He's the manager. He's the face of the of the New York Yankees. He's talking to the media. 
Um, he's part of the decision making. I think it's a collaborative effort. But man, like like I was saying with the scheduled rest and with some some guys coming out of the bullpen that you know are giving it up. I don't want to see Albert Abreu come out of the bullpen. I don't want to see Tommy Canley come out of the bullpen in a close game because uh, you know the bullpen budget says you got to rest this guy. You can't throw Michael King again. You can't throw Wandy or Clay Holmes. Are you trying to win or are you trying to like? Right. In theory, rest guys. What what the hell are you resting them for? You're not even going to play in October. So what are we resting for? Um, I think Boone deserves some of the blame because he's the manager. And uh, this season wasn't good enough. That falls under his ledger. One of the worst seasons in the last 30 years for the New York Yankees, who was the manager, Aaron Boone. And the team has regressed since Joe Girardi had them in game seven of the ALCS. So, yeah, Boone, Boone definitely gets some blame i just don't think he's writing out the lineup every day i don't think he's the one saying oh yeah uh judge you need to rest uh in this series i don't think he's the one saying severino absolutely sucks but we're gonna throw him seven times in a row knowing he's trash i think it's coming from uh up top hmm. yeah <clears throat> so what would be your ideal lineup for 2024 oh i have no way to tell <laughs> I, 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 we need a leadoff hitter. Um, I, I would like to drop Judge in the lineup from two to maybe three or four. I don't think John Carlos Stanton goes anywhere, so you're going to have him clogging up the DH spot. He can't really do much else. Oh, we need Rizzo to return to form. Um, Rizzo, that left-handed bat there, but you know Rizzo's another year older. Volpe, I still think they should keep Volpe low in the lineup because he can be a sneaky bat there. Uh, Trevino and Wells is going to be an interesting dynamic. They'll be down in the bottom of the order. Glaber Torres, do they get rid of Glaber Torres this offseason? I don't think they can. I don't think you're in a position to get rid of one of your better hitters, uh, your second best hitter outside of Aaron Judge. What's DJ going to be? DJ seemed to turn it on with Sean Casey. Sean Casey's not returning. Is DJ going to return the form? Can we count on DJ like we could in 2019, 2020? Or is he just going to be uh, striking out, grounding out? I, I just I don't know who is I don't know who's playing center field. I don't know who's playing left field. Um, there's there's so many question marks. Peraz is going to be a guy like there's there's a lot of guys that are they're, they're, they're supposed to be at the bottom of the order. Uh, I don't know how they shake out this lineup. I can't call that right now. Yeah. Got to add got to add some pieces and it'll be easier to see. Yeah, I think we need at least two to three bats, and preferably at least two lefties, like two outfielders, maybe an extra infielder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's, it's going to cost, and they're going to talk about uh, budgets. And you know, Cashman always says that you know that's above me. That's that's for ownership to decide. And yeah, they'll make excuses, but they need to they need to figure it out. It can't just be judge or nothing. So what were your thoughts on Volpe's rookie year? Good. I thought he had a good rookie year. I thought he had some moments, um, grand slams, walk-offs. Uh, he, 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 he just missed a couple big moments in homers, stolen bases, home runs, 2020 season, mm-hmm. uh, handling the pressure of New York, being a guy that actually like all kids that watch Derek Jeter wish that they could grow up and be Derek Jeter. And he actually is a kid that grew up and did it. And I thought he handled it well. Uh, There's a ton of pressure and expectations on the guy. He played damn near every game. And uh, I think, you know, don't look at the batting average so much. That is a guy adjusting to facing major league pitching for the first time. Um, 
I think he'll be better. But all in all, as a rookie, I think he had a good season. I think the Yankees failed him. I think the Yankees should have had more talent around him. If you're asking this kid to come up yes. and be the shortstop, there should have been more veterans around him, proven veterans, not journeymen. They had Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney and Franchi Cordero and Willie Calhoun and Greg Allen and all these journeymen around uh, Anthony Volpe. And, you know, people yeah. are expecting this kid to, to save the day every time he comes up. And you could see he was trying, swinging for the fences at times. And, yeah, he, he's got pop. Uh, he's got speed on the bags. Uh, he, he had a few errors, but for the most part, man, I thought he played a good shortstop, and I think he silenced people that said he didn't have the arm to play shortstop as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Willie Randolph, he believes in in um, he believes in him, and he's a hard worker. You can tell. Yeah. So yeah, very proud of his season. Um, I want to ask you. Do you see Glaber Torres? I think you answered already. Do you see Glaber Torres in the Yankees' long-term plans? And how about Peraza? What are your thoughts on Peraza? Uh, Glaber Torres has too many boneheaded plays, too many lapses, too many mistakes that are going to cost you a game. I look at Glaber Torres and I'm like, man, if we got to a World Series and <laughs> Glaber Torres ran into outs on the base pass, he would be a hated figure in Yankee lore. We yeah. can't have that. We absolutely can't have that. If if Glaber Torres boots a tailor-made double play or airmails a throw to first base, you guys know what I'm talking about. He booted that that double play in the Colts game or Colts game in the Cubs game, <laughs> um, and then he he airmailed that throw in the Tigers game. Those were plays that decided the game and series. If he did something like that in the World Series, he'd never live it down. He's also going to command a lot of money that I don't think the Yankees are going to actually want to pay him. So if they don't trade him this offseason, I expect him to be traded at the deadline. He could have been traded the last two years at the deadline. He's got a great bat. Man, he looks like a primetime player at times. They were comparing him to Ronald Acuna Jr., Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis at one point. But uh, he's got too many mistakes in his, in his DNA. And I just don't see the Yankees giving him a long-term contract. They're going to have to trade him um, coming up this year. I just think they're going to start the year with him because – we just don't have much production at the plate, and you can't get rid of your second best bat. Is Peraza a prospect you think the Yankees should hold on to? I mean, Peraza, to me, I, I don't know what to think about him. Um, I think the Yankees yeah. did wrong by putting him in the ALCS two years ago. I think they also did wrong sending him up and down three times this year and then putting him in the position that he was in. Uh, with Volpe, I know him and Volpe are friends, but you know it's got to crush a kid's spirit to think like I'm starting shortstop for the Yankees in the ALCS, and then the following spring training, <laughs> I lose the battle to a guy that hadn't even you know played one major league game yet. But he came yeah. up and he played third base. Um, I think he's going to be able to play third base, shortstop, or second base. He did come around with his bat, but it's got to be more consistent. I don't know if he's ready to take that step next year. I don't know what he is, honestly. I, he's not someone that I look forward to watching. He's not someone that I'm sure of. Uh, we need more from him if he's going to be in the Yankees' plans. I, I wouldn't mind them actually trading him. If if the Padres are asking for him in the Juan Soto deal, of course you send him. That's fair. I feel like we haven't seen much of him, or at least a um, few at-bats here and there, but not in a big sample size. I if you go back and look at the numbers from this season, he, I mean, he was batting 188. They sent him down, came back, still was around 188. He picked it up at the end of the year. 
I think yeah. we have a larger sample size now when you look at those numbers. And he, he was better at the end of the season. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what to expect from him. I don't know if he's ready. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see soon. Okay. We're winding down. And we're going to uh, play uh, this game. It's called Stay, stay or Go. Um, would you stay or would you go? So I'm going to um, say call out some names of free agents. And you, I want you to answer if he should stay, from your point of view, if the player should stay or go. Uh, first guy is Montez. I think he's going to stay. I would, I would say for him to go, but you know, Sevi is going to go, and uh, I just, we, you know, I just thought it was a <laughs> stupid trade. I thought it was a pivot trade. I thought it was okay. We didn't get Luis Castillo. So he defaulted into this guy. I don't know what he's going to be, but I think that he's going to end up staying for a cheap deal with the Yankees because, you know, he rehabbed with them all year. I, I expect to see him with the Yankees, but I personally, I don't got any love for the guy. I would, <laughs> I would send him, but I'm not going to be surprised when he's still here. Montez is out. Okay, Sebi. Yes, bye. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it was too hard to watch him pitch last year. I so used to bad. love Sebi. But, man, when you think about how much time he missed with injuries, uh, the contract that he got, and we were thinking that he was going to be a homegrown ace, and it just never materialized. He's getting up there in age. He showed the worst of himself this year. If the Yankees think they're going to compete and win, they got to move on from him. He's, he's bound to get hurt again like he did at the end of this season after not pitching well. I think that's the end of the road for Luis Severino and the Yankees. I think that's an easy answer, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh Wandy Peralta. I would keep Wandy. I would try to. I, I think Wandy showed his stones. Uh, I think he showed that the moment's not too big for him. Um, he's a weapon against lefties, and uh, I, I think he fits this team, and that is one of Cashman's great moves, um, trading Tyro Estrada for him. I mean, Estrada's been pretty decent with the Giants, but uh, – Getting Wandy over here, a late innings guy, a high leverage situation guy. You don't have too many. Like Tommy Canley does not count. Uh, Michael King is going to be turned into a starter, I believe. So I would try and keep Wandy for the back end of that bullpen. <clears throat> Middleton. Yeah, well, let's see some more of him. Uh, yeah. I, it won't cost you too much. He's a competitor, and he pitched well. The little bit of sample size we saw, I, I, I try and keep him. I, I'd like to see more of him. I think Middleton's worth keeping too. We did our stay or go also, and everything's basically lining up with how we feel. So it's been, uh, seems to be a good consensus going around what's going to happen. And then you had that, you saw that report about Sevi and Herman probably leaving too. Yeah, Herman's definitely gone uh, the way that ended, and how many different things he's got under his leisure that people don't uh, exactly love. He's out. But yeah, um, Keenan Middleton, sure. Why not? IKF. Yeah. I'm done. I, I, I've seen enough. Uh, IKF will be known as the stopgap shortstop that didn't stop any gaps. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they brought him over instead of a Corey Seager, instead of the, you know, back-to-back -back years, right? Yankee fans wanted Correa and Seager and Trevor Story and um, all these other guys, and they they elected to get IKF and Josh Donaldson, and that, that was a mistake. So uh, I get it that he's a good utility guy. I get it mm -hmm. that, you know, he had some moments and he played six, seven different positions for the Yankees. But if you think you're going to compete 
if you plan on being a contender, IKF is not the kind of guy you can keep running out there. I, I think they move on from him. Yeah, I see that happening too. And uh, lastly, Higgy. Yeah, I think Higgy's time is up. Yeah, so with, with Higgy, you know, I said Higgy was a guy that didn't even believe himself that he would get the, the opportunity to play as much as he did. He became Cole's personal catcher. Um, you know, he was platooning with Gary Sanchez and then platooning with uh, Jose Trevino when he came in. And now with the emergence of Austin Wells and Trevino coming back as an all-star and platinum catcher, I just don't think there's any room for Higgy unless he wants to be like he and he doesn't want to be uh, a third guy playing with Scranton and, and coming up. And, you know, yeah. Ben Rortvet. I, I don't even know why Ben Rortvet is here. Oh, yeah. He also came in the ICAF Donaldson deal. I think they move on. <laughs> I think they move on from Higgy and Higgy may want to try and get some more money elsewhere. But if Higgy wants to stay in the organization, he'll take a low deal and he'll be around. But with the emergence of Austin Wells, I expect him and um Trevino to be the the catcher in a platoon situation. Yeah. Can we just wipe our hands clean? The IKF Donaldson and Roy Petrie. I think we just need to fully cleanse it. Yeah, just be done with all three of them. Act like it never happened. It it was. It's honestly the biggest stain on Brian Cashman's recent years. Like you made that trade for nothing. And I know we lost Gio, and Gio got hurt. I know we lost Gary Sanchez. He figured it out with the Padres, so you don't feel like. You necessarily lost, you know, someone, but it's like you brought them in and they didn't really do much to help the team. Thanks. All right. So we'll close it down with Yankees, Mount Rushmore. What do you got here, Mount Rushmore? Wait, wait. Can, oh. can I request for this to be done in a freestyle or no? Or is that? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I can try. All right. Yankees, Mount, Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. Who would you put I mean, on well, there? First, I got to think of the four guys. Yeah, it's a hard one. Okay, 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 let's go. Let me think of the flow. You know I got to go with Mariano. Mariano is one. Who could be two? Number two, Derek Jeter. I'm pulling for you. Of course. Picking you, coming through. (laughs) Now I got to go back. Now I got to actually think. And when I start to think, I don't know. I, I, I got to go Yogi Berra, but I don't know how to rhyme that. <laughs> Let me get some time back, get my mind back. So now I got Mariano, I got Jeter, I got Yogi. I need one more Yankee. Let me think of my favorite Yankee homie. Uh, I'm missing somebody. We've got a closer, a shortstop, a catcher. I got to think of one and I got to rhyme better. Who am I missing here? Uh, all-time Yankees. It's got to be between uh, Mickey Mantle or – yeah, I guess I'm going to throw Mantle in there because I said it, but that's not going to rhyme. I know, And I know this is going to be something that people are going to be like, <laughs> how would you forget this guy? How would you think of this guy? Um, so Mariano, he's unanimous. Goat closer. Jeter, because I watch Jeter, and I still – I know people try to underrate Jeter, but five rings. He's somebody that also should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer. Yogi, mm-hmm. I feel like people leave out, but, like, Yogi had all the rings, and um, Yogi's story is amazing. And um, I think the last one will, will, will be Mickey Mantle because I feel like the, the old-timey Yankee fans always talk about the Mick and, and watching him and how great he was. Maybe you could put – Joe DiMaggio there. Maybe you could put um, 
I'm trying to think of a starting pitcher there. No, I, that's my four. I'm going to go with Mariano, oh. Derek Jeter, Yogi Berra, Mickey Mantle. Love it. That's a, that's a solid four for sure. <laughs> what? Now you guys got to tell me yours because I know I'm going to be like, ah, maybe could have gone that way. Julian, you go. I'm going to go with Jeter, Mo, Ruth, and Garrick. Oh, how, how did I forget Babe Ruth? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I was searching for, Babe Ruth. So now I'm switching out Mickey Mantle for Babe Ruth. You can't you can't Got leave it. Babe Ruth out of the Yankee Mount Rushmore. It's it's Mariano. That was a good one. You guys caught me off guard with that one. Uh Mariano Jeter, Yogi, Ruth. That's the one that makes the most sense. And Sandy, um, yours? Um honestly, I'm gonna go with the core four because I grew up watching those guys and yeah. I like I don't yeah, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Lou Gehrig, um, all of those guys are important too. I just never actually watched them play. And you know what? You you, you can't really do four because even with the core four, it's supposed to be five. Bernie. You can't leave out Bernie Williams, right? So even with a Mount Rushmore, we need we need two Mount Rushmores. We need, <laughs> we need, we need at least mountain. five spots, maybe really eight. But yeah, it's hard to put that together. But I blanked right there on Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth is, Babe Ruth is the most famous baseball player of all time. When people... Um, think about baseball. They think Babe Ruth, Ruth, and as a you know Yankee, he, he you can't have a Yankee Mount Rushmore without him. Can you imagine they signed him for like what twelve thousand dollars or something like that? <laughs> and see, that's the only knock against Babe Ruth. They're like, man, they were playing in, in a time where guys were drinking beers, smoking cigarettes, and eating hot dogs during the game. He didn't play against anybody, and it was so long ago. They didn't they didn't play for anything we ever know. But it's like, yeah, yeah, but still, uh, they history. Love the game. Yeah. yeah, it is what it is. You know, that like they didn't have uh, Shohei Otani in, in that age. Like they didn't have a Ronald Acuna in, in that era. He was the best of that era and he dominated. Yeah. Speaking of Otani, where do you think he goes? I actually have a stream coming up on Bleacher Report with top landing spots for Otani. I'll give you my five spots because I'm okay. going to talk about them on the stream. Um, I think the San Francisco Giants is a reality. They were interested in Judge, didn't get him. They were interested in Correa, didn't get him. They still got some money to play with. There's a, a good chance that he takes a look at the Bay Area, San Francisco, um, mm -hmm. and maybe the Giants land him. If not the Giants, the Giants rivals the Dodgers. And then he's right there in L.A., Anaheim area. Probably his house can't be that far from Dodger Stadium, the one he currently lives in. Then he doesn't have to move. Mm -hmm. um, so Giants, Dodgers. Then let's go to the American League, the Mariners. Uh, at the All-Star Game, he spoke a lot about how he spent some summers in Seattle, how he idolized Ichiro, how he loves the city, the community, the fans. Um, I think the Mariners are uh, a, a real potential play. And then you got to go with the Mets and the Yankees only because if he was going to come east, it would be for New York, the biggest market and the biggest money. And I think I think Cohen is going to have the highest bid for him. Um, and the Yankees, I'm going to put in there just because they're the Yankees. They get put in every conversation. But if I didn't yeah. go with the Yankees, uh, it would be the Padres because the Padres are, you know, they were interested in Judge. They have money to throw around. Um, they need something to happen. Padres would be six. But I think I'm going to focus on those five for the stream. The Giants, the Dodgers, the Mariners, the Mets, the Yankees, and then a bonus would be the Padres. Am I missing one? Uh, Anaheim. He'll, he'll go back to Anaheim. I think there's no way in hell 
He goes back come to on. Anaheim. I don't think there's any chance he goes back to Anaheim. Maybe the Red Sox could try and make a run out of him. Yeah. Run at him. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think there's one more potentially. They listed the Texas Rangers could be an, an option for him, and we know how they've been doing, throwing money around. He wants to win. Um, they 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 paid Degrom. They paid Simeon. They paid Seager. They've got a bunch of other guys. They're gonna have to pay Garcia. Um, I don't know how they're going to give Otani $450 million, but maybe because they go yeah. for it. They, they're going to win the World Series and say, we want to go back, and adding Otani certainly helps that. They need pitching. They're not going to have Max Scherzer. Uh, they, they might not be able to sign Jordan Montgomery back. So Otani, sure, everybody's going to be in on him. <laughs> it's going to be a crazy offseason for sure. And so, Keith, thank you so much for coming on. We know you have a really busy schedule, and we appreciate you giving us the time today. Yeah, no problem. Uh, appreciate you guys reaching out. I'm glad we could find the time. Rooting for you guys. Keep building your brand, your platform. Keep doing your thing. And again, thank you for the support, listening to my show, calling into my show. Um, uh, it, it means a lot. I know you guys have watched me on Yankees Twitter and uh, seen my journey through the last like five, six years, whatever it is. I'm not mm -hmm. done. And uh, I certainly don't forget about anybody that has shown me love along the way. So you know, I'm, I'm giving it back. I'm, I'm, I'm showing love back by being on your podcast. Thank you. We appreciate that. And um, everyone follow Keith McPherson. Um, follow his show on The Fan, uh, KM2AM, and uh, his Twitter, Keith McPherson WFan. Yep. And everyone follow us at Tugout Station on all platforms as well. Uh, we're going to cook this up soon. We'll have it out. Hopefully, by tomorrow, I would say. And then um, thanks for sending us that thumbnail. That'll go to big gig use. So, Keith, you're the man. We appreciate all of it. And we're always happy to see you grow and just continue to crush it out there. So, yeah, again, thanks, guys. Keep working hard on what you're doing. Uh, last thing I wanted to say to you guys is, like, we just saw uh, Jake Mintz from Cespedes Family Barbecue. Um, what an impact he had on the, um, you know, NLDS with the uh, Braves and the uh, Phillies and that whole uh, attaboy Harper, right? And he came from podcasting. He came from – and, you know, we saw how old media like Alano Rizzo reacted. Like, oh, these <laughs> these podcasters, these bloggers shouldn't even be allowed in the, in the dugout. They shouldn't even be allowed in the clubhouse, rather. Hey, mm -hmm. no, now is the time because baseball is trying to get younger. Baseball is healthy, and they're looking for more people that are doing digital stuff versus the pen pushers, the baseball writers of America, the journalists. They're letting us in, new media, younger people in. So keep building your platform, and you might be on the field at the World Series next year. You never know. Oh, my God. From your lips to God's ears. Seriously. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> All right, guys. Have, have a good day. Right. Thank you so much for that. It was a great ending.